This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. And once again, I am glad that you are here on this important discussion and series on the compendium of the social doctrine of the church, a document that the Pontifical Council put together to guide us and to give us some amazing principles and and a look at uh, uh, what the church teaches about around social justice issues. Uh, if you don't have a copy, I encourage you to get your own. But yeah, we've been covering a lot of territory uh, recently, and hopefully you've been able to um, uh, really dig in and and sort of begin to apply those things uh, in your own life. Uh, it's very important, very intriguing, and very deep subjects that's brought about in the compendium. And today we're going to be talking about the human person and human rights. This is going to be a two or three part section here because chapter three is pretty loaded. But talking today about the human person, which we have looked at, but really breaking it down today and then looking at human rights, which is something that uh, you hear about on the news all the time. People demanding rights, talking about human rights, people whose human rights are not being uh, safeguarded. Or recognized, and so yeah, we want to talk more about that, but that'll be in another in the next episode. But I feel like as we begin today, I need to uh, start with a caveat, so to speak, a disclaimer, <clears throat> because this is a, a document of the Catholic Church, which, by the way, the word Catholic means universal, so for all people, but <clears throat> because it is created by the uh, Pontifical Council of the Catholic Church. It's important for me to address some issues or elephant in the room, if you will. Just because the Catholic Church uh, has practiced social justice throughout its history in many ways, and maybe someday I should do a talk on that, but it doesn't mean that the Church is not guiltless when it comes to causing injustices in the world, as we know, priests with children and uh, many other injustices that have have been guilty. But I often tell people who approach me with these issues with the church is that the Catholic church has had bad actors in its past and even in the present day. But those frauds are, are, are those people are just frauds who claim to be Catholic. Okay. So don't let the bad actors cause you to forget what the real core issue is. And we're going to get down to that today. Today, what we're going to do is look at the church's teaching on the human person and, and, and to see that this is the core. This is the true Catholic church as we know it. In fact, if you want to see, the the true church you you look at the saints 
and the mystics through history, that's where you're going to find it, not with all these bad actors. Um, and so instead of looking at those bad actors, look to the core teachings that the saints have agreed upon through the ages. That's a practice I've gotten in my own life is I look at the saints and the mystics and say, what is their common teaching, their common outlook on things? That right there is the teaching. And of course, you have the magisterium of the church who gives us that consistent teaching over 2000 years of what is the actual teaching of the church. But as we know, bad actors do come along. Now, I'm not talking about sinners in the church because everybody in the church is a sinner. I'm talking about those people who have gone beyond into evil practices and yet claim to be Catholic. So we want to get our attention off of those and get back to the truth of the church. And, and realize what is really there, because the, the truth is that the church is filled with sinners, all of us. So we have to realize that the purpose of the church is to heal us. And, and that's where we want to focus our attention. Uh, now, to get into this real church, we have to look deep into the core that has consistently taught the truth. And again, like I said, been agreed upon by the saints in today's chapter in the compendium really makes it clear what the church believes about the human person. And just because some bad actors, some posers have, have done great indignity and injustice to human persons, that is not at all what the Holy Mother Church teaches. And uh, just like, you know, people families may have a core belief of what they, you know, do like and believe in their family. But sometimes those families, the parents or the children, they don't always necessarily um, uh, follow through on their own belief. And that is the human condition. So what I want us to do is begin look into the very core teaching that People are loved, humans are made in God's image, and we're going to break this all down in chapters 100, or paragraphs 105 and following, beginning in chapter 3 of the compendium entitled The Human Person and Human Rights. Now, in paragraphs 105 through 107, it states that the church's object is the human person, meaning that that's the focus of the church is the human person. Now, we talked in past episodes that in true, in a truly just society, you don't build the society and then fit people in that society. Rather, you study the human person and out of that human person comes society and the way it runs. And so all of our isms that we have now are simply machines and mechanisms for which we fit people into rather than looking at people and saying, how does society grow out of that? Now, the fact is, the truth is that the human person is made in the divine image and therefore possesses utmost dignity and honor. Please, I beg of you, get a hold of that, that the human person is made in the divine image and therefore possesses uh, utmost dignity and honor. You know, it'd be like if I were to go to the ocean and I say, I want to go to the Oregon coast. I want to see the ocean. And I say, oh, wow, look, there's waves. 
in the ocean. There's ships. There's all that. And I say, man, I really want to experience the ocean. And I tell my friend who joined me on this trip to the Oregon coast, I said, man, I really am enjoying experiencing the ocean. There's waves, there's ships, there's people fishing, there's people walking on the beach. And my friend would look at me and say, Michael, you're not experiencing the ocean because you're missing the main point, which is what? Water. You haven't once mentioned water. You just mentioned everything around it. And that's kind of the way we approach social justice oftentimes is we we talk about everything around it except what is the most important thing, and that is the human person who's made in the divine image. And so we have to get back to that main point, that it's about the people, the person. I used to run a nonprofit and I would tell people who worked with me and that I would always tell them when they got stuck on how to handle a situation, I would just say, well, look, the person is the policy at the moment. Who is that person? What is their needs? And meet the needs. And so we uh, have to get back to that core. Now, uh, It states, again, in paragraph 106, that the church exists for the human person. And I love this quote. All of the social life is an expression of its unmistakable protagonist, the human person. Human society is therefore the object of the social teaching of the church, since she is neither outside nor over and above socially united men, but exists exclusively in them and therefore for them. I love this quote. When I ran across it, I had to do a double take because notice it says that the church exists exclusively in human society, in men who are united socially, and therefore for them. The church exists for people, not the other way around. Too often we we form our parishes and form our you know various outreaches around people being made for the church rather than church for people. And I love that the the Pontifical Council says this, that it is for people that the church exists. One day, uh, Jesus was um, uh, talking to a crowd of people, and Jesus' disciples, rather, not talking to a crowd of people, rather what it was, his disciples were picking grains of wheat, on the Sabbath day, which Jews were not allowed to, to do any work on the Sabbath day, but the disciples were hungry. And so they were picking grains of wheat and the Pharisees came up and said, Hey, Jesus, why are you letting uh, your disciples break the Sabbath laws by letting them pick grain? You know, and Jesus confronted them with David eating consecrated bread when he was hungry. And he's just showing them like, Hey, my disciples are hungry. They need to eat. And then Jesus follows up by saying, look, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And again, to switch this around to what the Pontifical Council is saying is that the church was made for man, not man for the church. And so that is an extremely crucial, especially if you're a Catholic and you're listening, is that you got to understand this point that, that when it comes to the work of creating a just society, it is around, is centered around the human person and their dignity, not trying to get people in their programs. I've, I have been in far too many parishes that have rejected me or have 
rejected others because we just didn't fit in to the program. And then people, I mean, I'm not leaving the church, but a lot of people have because they're like, I just can't fit in. You see, it's not about trying to get people to fit in. It's about the church serving the needs of humanity. And that's where justice comes from. Now, if we can get to the fact and get a hold of the fact that the human person is made in the divine image and therefore has infinite dignity and that we, we create society around the human person rather than the other way around, if we do that, then social justice becomes normal and natural at that point. I was, uh, I think I've shared this before, but I was out on uh, the Springwater Trail here in Portland one time in southeast Portland. And it's a bike trail that used to be a trolley line and took out the trolley and uh, the streetcar. And they put in this bicycle path throughout a large part of Portland and southeast especially. And one day, and this thing is only maybe four, six feet wide four to six feet wide. And I was trying to get homeowners and homeless individuals to talk to each other. I thought if I can get them talking to each other, then maybe there's hope that we can make some progress here. And it was kind of comical to me because on once when I was trying to introduce the homeless individuals with homeowners, the homeowners were literally crowded on one side of the bike path. And, and on the other side is all the homeless and so I went over to the homeowners and I said, hey, can you, you know, begin the introductions? Just go say hi to this person. I would tell them people's names in the homeless community. And I, they're like, I'm scared. So I went over to, to the side where all the homeless were standing. I said, hey, can you just break the ice and go introduce yourself to these people? And they're like, no, I'm scared. So everybody's scared to talk to each other. So finally, I grabbed one homeowner by his shirt, grabbed one of the homeless individuals by his shirt. I put them in front of each other, pulled them together, physically pulled them together and said, now say hello to each other and start talking. And they did. After a while, other people started doing that. All of a sudden they were in such great conversation with each other and laughing and uh, enjoying that I just kind of could disappear at that point. And I did get eventually get back in my car and just took off. I was like, I don't need to be here any longer. But before I left, one of the homeowners comes over and says, Hey, Michael, we've come up with all these great ideas we can do to help these people out. Can we do it? And I said, Hey, you've got free reign, you know, and good things happen from that. But what happened? How did they so naturally, and I mean so organically, come up with solutions to help their homeless neighbors and the home, the homeless to understand how they need to relate to homeowners? It came because they started talking to each other and realized they all had dignity. They were all human. Once they got a hold of the fact that they were hum- the other person was human, all the solutions just naturally came out. And that's the way it is. The very core of social justice is or to to understand how to achieve social justice is to just see and know the human person. Once you do, everything else just comes naturally. That's the core of it all. That is why we pursue social justice not in order to have peace and order in society, but rather to recognize the infinite worth of each individual. Again, I want to say that the reason why we pursue social justice 
is not to have peace and order in society, though those are important, but rather to recognize the infinite worth of each person so that each person is able to thrive because every person bears the divine image. And by the way, even some of our naughty brothers and sisters like the dictators in the world and some of the those who are you know have criminal histories they too bear the divine image let us not forget that now in paragraph 108 the council brings out the fact that because each person is made in the divine image then each and every person has the potential to know themselves perfectly, to know others perfectly, and to know God perfectly. Notice that everybody has that potential. Even the people that we would write off and say, there's no hope for that person. That person has the potential to know themselves perfectly, to know others perfectly, know God perfectly. And in a moment, we'll get more into that. But each person, Every human is infinitely loved by the creator because he created them. And you think of people like Nero and Adolf Hitler and Mussolini, different ones that we would write off and say, that person, there's no hope. They are infinitely loved by the creator and therefore should be loved by us. Each person has the potential to become a saint. Everybody does. Because the saints weren't saints before they were saints, right? I mean, you read the stories of St. Augustine and St. Ignatius of Loyola and different saints, man, St. Paul himself. I mean, they had some really bad and dark pasts. And yet, by God's grace, they were able to overcome it. And so, we should... Recognize that everyone has the potential to become a saint. That each person, as the compendium states here, is capable of self-knowledge and self-possession and has the opportunity to fully give themselves in love. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But the the quote from the compendium in, in paragraph 108 is that each person is capable of self-knowledge and self-possession and therefore has the opportunity to fully give themselves in love. No one is beyond hope of change. Do you see the incredible beauty and reason for working towards justice? (laughs) Again, it's not about peace and order in society. It is about every person having the potential to fully express and live out their true themselves to express themselves and live out their true purpose. The purpose of social justice is not to correct wrongs and not to make order in society. It is to see and to create a society where each person is able to thrive and express their true personhood made in the image of God. Now, and let's break this down here in paragraph 109 and following because we have three principles that you may know or maybe not know or may have forgotten that there's three principles that are expressed in these paragraphs i've talked about them before i'm going to really hit them today 
And that is the first principle that humans were made for relationship with God. Humans were made for relationship with each other. That's number two. And then number three, humans were made for relationship with themselves. It's very important to know this because if we understand these principles, then we know what is it we're even trying to, to achieve in society. So let's look at this first one. Humans were made for relationship with God. You may have heard that a lot of times before, but it's not trite. It's the truth. Even if we ignore this fact, we cannot eliminate this fact. Whether you believe in multiple lifetimes, that people live multiple lifetimes, or whether you believe people can go to purgatory after they die before going to heaven or whatever, we have to understand as humans that we must pursue God at some point because it is in our DNA to do so. You were not made to work for corporate America. You were not made to serve the government. You were not made to go to work every day. You were not made to make money. You were not created to own things. The reason why you were created, first of all, is to be in relationship with God. And so we want to create a society where people have freedom to pursue that. Now, you don't want to create a society where people are forced into a certain way of pursuing that. But you want to create a society where people are free to pursue God and to go on a journey that they go to. And not everybody takes the same journey. No two people's journeys are the same. Even if two people are Catholic or two people are Hindu or Buddhist or whatever, even in those situations where two people are in the same sort of type of journey, even their journeys are different within that realm, within that sphere. And so we want to create a society again where people are just free to journey with God without any prohibition and without any, any interference, especially from the government. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in most of the countries of the world, there is some sort of interference. There may be mild interference, or there may be very severe interference in places like China and North Korea, places like that where it is impossible to pursue God without severe influence and punishment from the government. Then you've got places like the United States where there is freedom, but that freedom is shrinking. And so we want to create a society where people are free to do that. Secondly, we understand that humans were made for relationship with each other. You know, St. John, if you read his three letters of first, second, third John in the new Testament of the Bible, he says you, it is impossible to claim to love God and yet hate your brother. <laughs> you cannot claim to be in a relationship with your creator if you're not in a relationship with your brother and sister, meaning your humans, humans around you, because everyone is your brother and sister. We all were created by God, which makes us all related to each other. So humans were made for relationship with each other. There is no individual I. You know, with Adam 
uh, in the Garden of Eden when, you know, the story goes that God took a rib out of Adam and created Eve. And the first time Adam saw Eve, he says, this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. In other words, he was saying there is no separation here. There's complete oneness between him and Eve. And so we were made for relationship with each other and are one with each other. I've, I've talked about this a lot in the past. I don't want to keep rehashing it. But if we all came from God, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, we, are all, we all came from God and are returning to God. So if we all came from God, then we are consubstantial with each other of the same substance. Therefore, there is no separation between any of us. We only believe there's separation because our mind, our ego-filled mind tells us there is. But the fact is, humans, we were made to relate to, to serve, to love each other. And why is it that when you love another is when you are your happiest? You know why that is? It's because that's what you were made for. Does it, has it dawned on you that when you're your happiest is when you are in a healthy, loving relationship with another human, no matter what form that relationship takes. And yet when that relationship is broken, you feel deeply sad. Why is that? Because you were made for that loving, healthy relationship. It could be a marriage. It could be uh, in a dating relationship or as a brother or sister or as friends or whatever the form that takes. But in that form, in that loving, healthy relationship, you are at your happiest in that because that's where, why you exist. And when we step out of why we exist, then we become miserable. We become very, very miserable. So we're made for relationship with God, with each other. And finally, as humans, as the Pontifical Council brings out, humans were made for relationship with themselves. As humans, we have a unique feature about us that makes us different from the animals. And that is that uh, trees and plants and all of that. And that is that as humans, we have the ability to reflect on ourselves. Humans have the ability to both observe, to both be the observer and the observed. You know, for example, you take a tree and I am observing that tree in that moment, but that tree is not observing itself. I am observing the tree. Animals may observe their prey or whatever, but humans have a unique ability in that we are doing both the observing and being observed at the same time. In other words, we have the ability to observe ourselves. And that happens in those moments of meditation, of deep reflection, those moments where you think deeply about yourself. What's happening in that moment is, you, and I'm not talking about times where you're being self-centered. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about those times where spiritually you are thinking deeply inside yourself. What's happening is you are both observing and being observed at the same time. The reason why we think about ourselves so often, again, not self-centeredness, but in a healthy spiritual way, the reason why we think about ourselves so much, the reason why we think about things we need to change within ourselves, the reason why we work on ourselves and try to heal ourselves, you know why we do that? Because that's what we were made for. 
You see, in the Garden of Eden, before Adam and Eve sinned, they were in complete union with God. They were in complete union with each other, and they were in complete union within themselves. But now we're not in complete union within ourselves. Rather, we are at war with ourselves. You ever have those days where you're so at such unrest within yourself that you'll go through moments of happiness, sadness, depression, fighting, being angry, even yelling at yourself. You ever have days like that? Why is that? Because you're not in unity with yourself. Now, just as a suggestion, one major way to come into unity with yourself is through silence and meditation. Just go into silent meditation let go of the external, let go of your attachments, and just be in silent meditation within yourself, and then you'll come back into unity with yourself. But you were made for that. That's why there is such peace in meditation, because you're achieving something that you were made for is complete unity within yourself. So all of this then becomes the core of true social justice. So we're not trying to achieve peace and order in society. Rather, we're trying to achieve a society where people can pursue relationship with God, with each other, and within themselves without any interference, where they've got the space to do that. The problem is that current trends in social justice tears apart the human person by labeling them through violence separating humans from each other. You know, one of the problems I have with this whole racism talk is it gets people of different skin colors hating each other and angry with each other and not trusting each other. That's my problem with the whole anti-racism movement because it causes separation instead of unity. The problem, and there's, and by the way, in all these quote social justice movements, which are not true social justice movements, but in all these so-called social justice movements, there's not even a thought of God. You have to have God as the foundation of true social justice. Therefore, Black Lives Matters, Antifa, Proud Boys, and all these so-called social justice movements are not true forms of social justice because they're not bringing people into unity with God. They're not bringing people into unity with each other and they're not bringing people into unity within themselves. They're just continuing to create hatred and anger and unrest. That's not social justice, my friend. In true social justice, we work towards helping people pursue God, pursue each other and pursue themselves. But the reality of sin, which the compendium talks about in chapter three, is that sin has caused separation. It causes individualism. And I'm not going to get on this a lot, but the fact is one of the greatest sins in our modern society, especially in Western society, is individualism. Individualism is not good because it causes separation between people. It causes us to believe we're separate from each other. Sin causes me to cause wounds to myself and thus to my neighbor. Sin is the reason why we have injustice, where we're wounding ourselves and wounding our neighbors. We believe there to be separation when there is not. Sin always convinces the mind that there is separation between people and between God. 
But thank God that Jesus Christ shows us the way back to unity. Well, take a moment. Let's look at Jesus for a moment. How did he do that? Well, Jesus was constantly bringing people into unity with God, right? He was constantly trying to show the people of his day and the religious leaders how they were separating themselves from God and trying to show them how to get back into unity. But the other thing is he was constantly trying to get people in unity with each other. Like when the disciples would fight, you know, he would have talks with them and show them, no, 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 guys, I want you to be one with each other. In fact, if you read the gospel of John chapter 17, Jesus focuses big time on his desire that the disciples be in unity with each other. He was constantly telling disciples, it is God's will that you love each other. He was constantly trying to bring people back into unity. And then, you know, Jesus constantly talked about prayer. It even says he would go up into the mountains to meditate alone. Why? Because he was bringing us back into unity with ourselves. He would come back into unity with God with others, with himself, and showing us the way to that. So there you go. That is a deep chapter. Chapter 3 has been one that has really caused me to have to pause and think a lot the times I've read it. But what I want to encourage you to do, and I thank you for joining me today and listening to this. It's a lot to talk about. I, I try to limit my time on these episodes, but when you hit subjects like this, it can be really hard to do that. And I want to thank you for joining me. And I encourage you to spend time to just slowly allow these principles to soak in to you. Now, going back to the analogy of the Oregon coast, uh, there's been times when I sat at the Oregon coast, just soaking in the beauty and awesomeness of the ocean. I mean, times where I just sat on a chair on the sand and just looked at the Pacific Ocean and realizing I cannot comprehend this ocean. But what I would do is I would just look at it, stare at it, and try to soak in the awesomeness of the Pacific Ocean and try to soak in. It's like, wow, there's so much life happening under that water, mountain ranges and all of that that I can't see here from the beach. But just soak it in. And as I did, I became very relaxed and at peace. And then I tried to take that back to Portland with me in a new way and try to carry that with me. And in the same way, I just kind of want you to sit on the spiritual beach <laughs> in your heart and mind. And I encourage you to just soak these principles in today that were talks taught. Soak them in for a while because these are divine principles and then carry them with you as you create a just society right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis a common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.